and I refused to, I knew there was something I wanted to achieve and even with a broken back, like I wanted to just, just drive forward and still see what I could do. Welcome to the 40 Fit and Fabulous podcast. Join your host, Mark Slight, as he gets the best information, inspiration, help, and advice from the world's best athletes, performance coaches, and health experts so that you can look, move, and feel your best at 40 and beyond. Remember, it's never too late to live the life of your dreams. Now here's your host, Mark Slight. Hello and welcome back to the 40 Fit and Fabulous podcast and episode number 19 with Scott Reed. This episode comes at a great time because following on from episode 18 with Chris Akabusi, where we talked a lot about the spirituality, the, the mindset of an athlete, you would be forgiven for thinking that Scott, being a two times world's strongest man winner in his weight range, would be talking a lot about nutrition, a lot about lifting heavy weights. But there's much more to it than that. And we talk a lot about the mindset throughout these two episodes of the podcast. And in this first part of the podcast, there's one element of it, which Scott has mentioned, we're going to talk about motivation and discipline and the difference between the two. And this is something that since talking to Scott about this has actually changed my opinion on the word motivation and on how you can stay self-motivated yourself. And it's actually changed a little bit how I coach my own clients as well. So I want to bring Scott in straight away, but listen very closely to when Scott talks about motivation. I'm going to talk about it a little bit towards the end of the podcast myself as well and explain my own views on it but it's definitely an eye-opener and it definitely changed my opinion on the word motivation and how we can all stay so disciplined on a daily basis so here we go then episode number 19 with two-time world strongest man winner scott reed okay so let's start at the real basics tell me a little bit about the the strongman competitions you've done then scott um, well, when I first started, I just started um, competing kind of regional competitions. And uh, I have to stress this, it was under 105 kilos. So there was when I started Strongman in 2005, there was only two weight classes, um, which were 105, so 105 kilo you had to weigh in that, or heavyweight. So anything over that was opens. Um, so my, my very first competition was um, a local competition. Um, held in Bex Hill um, and that kind of just um, fueled my fire to carry on after that because I, I placed quite well I really enjoyed it um, as I got better the um, level of competition went up and um, some competitions op- opened up abroad to go to so like in Sweden Norway um, Ukraine places like that so I started traveling abroad and got to see what the 105 picture was like at a world level which was a big eye-opener and at that point I knew I had to come back and kind of up my level of training and dedicate myself to it 100% if I, if I wanted to get, go anywhere um, in the sport. Did, did, when you saw that, that sort of, the, the, the increase in the level, did you go there and think, bloody hell, this, <laughs> this is huge? Or did it, just, did it just kick you on to think, I really want to do this, I've got to come home and I've, it, got, to, I've got to train much harder now? There was a few guys I'd like, not idolised is the wrong word, but knew about and respected. Like Danny Anderson was a Swedish guy at 105. Um, and he was much like myself he kind of he didn't ever really weigh much above 105 kilos but I, he's a Viking obviously so the only way I can describe him is that the bottom of his back looked like he had coke cans at the bottom of his back 
And even at that weight, he, he had like a 350 kilo deadlift, at wow. 100, like weighing 104, 105 kilos. He was such a strong, and he, he could like compete in heavyweight competitions and do well. So yeah, one of it was like, some of it's like, oh my God, this is what I've got to deal with. And part of it was like, yeah, I, got, I really want to do this. And I think I can kind of hang, hang with these guys. So um, that's what um, spurred me on to, like, to, to really dig deep and made me fall in love with the sport, really. Another um, big eye-opener when you went abroad, which we didn't have in this country. So in this country, we would weigh in on the morning of the competition, which either left guys completely emaciated and not the best form that day, or what it meant was that it was a, a sport for jet genuinely people that weighed kind of 105 and below yeah when you go at international level yeah forget that it's well you weigh in the lunchtime before and there's giant russians that actually weigh 18 stone that you're competing against because they would uh they would drop water which we all know is quite easy to do if you do a water load the week before yeah um and you're eating the right things like high dose vitamin c like that they would be at least a stone heavier in the morning so 17 and a half stone plus some of the when we actually started the comp the next day. So when I came back, I kind of spread the word a bit. I said, you guys need to open your eyes. Like these 105s at world level abroad are all on a different level. Like we had a guy called Darren Sadler in this country competing at the time, who's I think up there with the best 105s in history. He competed at heavyweight as well. People will know him. Um, but they were all like Darren's. They were just monsters. So that it was a, I opened a new. I had to really up my game if I wanted to compete. And how long was it from from this moment when you first went abroad and you, you saw this difference? How long till you started to compete really seriously? Because then you went on to to win in two thousand seven, two thousand and eight. In your yeah, so that was um, very at the beginning, like February, March two thousand and five, when I went to Norway, and that's kind of the big, the big when the sort of the the light bulb went on. Yeah. I came back that summer and I was having real problems with with deadlifting and like shaking really badly, just couldn't generate any power off the floor. And, um, after, well, no one could tell me what it was, so I kind of just cut out the middleman and went straight to the Olympic lifting team in this country. So the, the Olympic training squad for um, uh, for Great Britain I spoke to one of their top coaches and he said instantly, you've got a, um, a compression injury to your lumbar spine, so you need to ask for an MRI scan, which I did. And I had a double spondylolysis to my L5-S1 vertebrae. So that time it was like, right, like everything's over, like a bit of a deflated balloon. I didn't know what to do really, but I decided to not give up and adjust my training and, and, and do what I could to train around it. And in hindsight, that made me a better coach, a better trainer, because I learned how to periodize training and structure stuff properly. I learned to sumo deadlift, and I would only deadlift conventionally in competitions. Uh, and I refused to, I knew there was something I wanted to achieve. And even with a broken back, like I wanted to just, just drive forward and still see what I could do. Yeah, yeah. So how, um, it's, it's amazing how people could, could spot these things. <laughs> you, you know, you come out your box sometimes and, you know, like you said, you, you was just doing regular deadlifts. You're just doing the same kind of, not the same training, but you would, you would have your own program. You go to someone else with a bit more experience, experience in different areas, and they spot things almost immediately. They do, don't they? It's, it's kind of, and I tell people now, it, that's time in the trenches. That's why a lot of time, but rather than, like being a normal coach, say where I would um, just set a program up for people and be with people 24 seven. 
Like, I'm far more valuable at just like analysing people and just and, and just kind of letting my knowledge flow onto them because I've made every mistake in the book. Like in the early days, we were just like like stupid, you know, balls to the wall every time trying to put maximum lifts on the board. And then you get proper coaches around you and stuff and you find out you just don't get stronger like that. By pulling singles, you don't get stronger. You need to structure your training properly, you know, um, change the... Um, the, the strength curve on, on on your lifts by using bands and chains and different ways of lifting and partial lifts and if I'd known that you know well hindsight's twenty twenty isn't it <laughs> you know <laughs> yeah you, it's, uh, it helps <laughs> you learn these you learn these skills and your eye becomes tuned when you you you've got time served and you can't replace that that time spent in the trenches that's where like yourself as a coach it's just an accumulation of knowledge isn't it and mistakes that people have made and they stick in your head and next time you spot them and you know where to point people in the correct direction. Yeah, you do. I mean, I'm, I'm nearly 40 now. And I, I look back at the things I used to do when I was 20 and it was no different. It would be a case of trying to try to run as far as I could, try to lift as much as I could. I didn't have that structure or that, um, that variation in my training plan. And I look and see people now, 19, 20 year olds doing exactly the same as what I used to do. But when you try and tell them, they're like, yeah, yeah, whatever, granddad. Quite hard. It is, um, yeah, but they'll see it eventually. But it's hard for them to to see outside their own little box at the minute. I mean, I still very much like pride myself on living a structured a structured life, so that I like motivation is the wrong word because motivation is finite. So I prefer the word. Like, I prefer like discipline. Like when my alarm goes off at five o'clock, I don't want to get out of bed. Um, but I do anyway. Does that make sense? I, I know yeah. I've got to get to the gym and get that workout in. Um, and I know when I get to the gym, there's there's certain criteria I've got to meet and, um, and, and, and a certain amount of effort I have to put in. Otherwise, when I leave the gym, I'll just, I've let myself down. And um, um, holding yourself accountable is far more important than trying to be motivated all the time, I think. And that, that kind of motivation just comes as a byproduct. You become more disciplined, more skilled, more more regimented but uh, and that, that just helps you with everything in your life really i think it does yeah that regimented i think is for me is the key word there um because that 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 rolls out into every part of your life then uh do you, do you have any tricks for we all have them mornings where we don't want to get our asses out of bed um for me um i read a book years ago called the five second rule and i count down from five to one i kick my legs out of bed and get out if i if i take longer than that you know, I'm not getting out of bed. So any, any tricks you use or is it just a case yeah, of just um, yourself up I get? My alarm clock's Jocko Willink. So <laughs> um, um, if any people out there will know who he is now, he's an ex-Navy SEAL commander. But um, I just imagine what would, what would he do? What would the successful people that I want to emulate and um, uh, what would they do, you know? So when I don't want to get up, it, 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 I, I feel that I'm holding myself accountable and letting other people down. I kind of put that pressure on myself. Yeah, just, that's a good one. Yeah. Yeah. You don't, get, you don't see these, these, the people you look up to, you think to yourself, well, well, they're not standing in bed getting an extra 20 minutes, are they? And, well, no. And um, if, if I don't drive forward, I don't give a hundred percent every single day. Um, and I don't stand for what I tell other people to do. So if I'm, giving people advice on how to, like, they're struggling in life, struggling with their training, struggling to fit something in or, or, or anything in, into a, a correct schedule. And I, I give them a, a list of guidelines and I don't follow them myself. What does that make me? 
it, make, yeah. it, it, it damages my credibility. And even if they don't know I'm doing it, inside I know that I don't stick to those principles. Yeah, so I, I think subconsciously, if you're congruent with everything you teach, you teach it so much better. And, and it, if, if you're telling someone to do something you're not doing yourself, that comes across. Even if you don't think it does, I, I believe it does. But if you're, really, if you're really passionate and say, look, this morning I couldn't get out of bed, but I did and I've done this, this and this, they will listen to you. And people, people respect you more for living that kind of life yourself. Yeah, someone said the other day, was it, um, it was, this is a kind of a long a sales thing, but it goes for everything. Like, how can, um, how can we make our clients or our customers trust us more? But that's completely the wrong question. It's how can we become more trustworthy should be what you're asking. You need to work on yourself or your business from the inside out and make that company like a beacon that people will trust and do like, gravitate to. And if you do that, everything else comes you, you, you shouldn't be, if you're false, like you say, people can spot it. If you know what you're talking about and you believe in it 100% and you have faith in it, then you can just, it, that, that emanates from you. Um, there's, there's too many people like selling courses online these days and pretending to be coaches and pretending to do this and that when, especially of Instagram where it's fake money, fake cars, you know, it, it means nothing. Like they've achieved nothing. Um, only hard work, blood, blood, sweat and tears gets you there. And a lot of people don't want to put that in, but then they're the ones that turn around when they're 70 and are like, what, what if, what if, what if? And I yeah, don't want any what absolutely. ifs, you know? Yeah. No, no, that's right. And I think if, you, if you're trying to, if you're trying to be trustworthy, then you're trying to please too many people. But if you can just become the best version of yourself and you're proud of the person you are, then people will gravitate towards you anyway. And the people that do gravitate towards you will be the people that you want to work with and the people who want to work with you, which is a much better match for everybody concerned. It's horses for courses, isn't it? You can't be the best coach for everyone. Um, although I can, although say for instance, I could train a bodybuilder, I don't, I wouldn't especially want to because I don't resonate with what they're trying to do really. And the way they train would, is not in keeping with my philosophies necessarily. So um, I'd rather stick to people that I'm um, motivated and inspired to train and help. Um, and that, that can be anyone, someone who just wants to lose some weight and improve their body composition to an athlete that wants to run through a brick wall. You know, it's, um, it's multifaceted, but um, I think you should stay in your lane, really, if that makes sense. Yeah, definitely. I think we all need to do that. There's there's coaches out there for the other people, you know, if, if they want something different, they'll, they'll find someone who, who suits them, but it shouldn't change you as a coach, definitely. No. So going back to your strongman then, not maybe not everyone who's listened to this will, will know at this point, but you, you run your own company as well. Um, yeah. Your own um, nutrition supplements you, you, you sell and, and, and you train athletes and, and I say athletes, but you, tra you train everybody as well from UFC fighters to the man off the street. But you're also a few days a week, you're still doing a day job as well. So one of the things I get a lot of the time from my clients is I haven't got time. I haven't got time. If it means that much to you, you will make time. So you get in your ass out of bed at five o'clock in the morning, go into the gym and then still try to run your own company, train clients, do your day job and everything else. It's hard work, but everything that is worth doing is hard, isn't it? Yeah. I mean, Anything you turn around from at the end of it, when the process is over, um, if it's not been hard work, it's very rarely going to be an achievement that was worth having in the first place. Yeah. Um, you, 
I know it's quite hard when people say, well, I haven't got time, I haven't got time. And it doesn't need to be like getting up to get a, you know, an absolutely like grueling workout in like I do every day. But you absolutely can fit in 20 minutes, half an hour in your garage or your, or, or your, or your lounge, you know, a, a workout in the morning. Um, you, you can do that contrast shower, like take that freezing cold shower. Um, with regards to balancing business, daytime jobs and your passions, you know, you find a way to do it. And becoming more disciplined helps you do that. So not procrastinating on stuff, ticking stuff off your list each day. So having a list of three to five things that you have to complete every single day. And then once they be- those become habits, adding some more stuff that you struggle with and then they become habits. You just improve as a person on a daily basis and suddenly you find, well, hang on a minute, I'm doing twice the amount I used, used to do in the same amount of time. But it's because you've been disciplined, you've been regimented, like we said earlier, to put those processes in place that then form, form positive habits in your life. Yeah, that's exactly exactly the way I teach my clients as well. And people who listen to me a lot will, will resonate with everything you've just said there. But how hard was it for you to win strongman competitions in back-to-back years? How hard was it for you doing your running your own company, fitting your own training in, fitting training with other clients. It must be incredibly tough to get to that. It's tough anyway, but to get to that level where you're actually winning competitions. Yeah, I mean, well, back um, when I was competing at the highest level, I just had a, a, a daytime job as an engineer. So I was kind of helping coach other strongmen, but um, I was working a night, like a 50-hour-a-week job. But like we said, you had to fit it in. So again, the alarm would be set for five o'clock. I'd be up to do mobility and some and some accessory workout that would help my strongman. Um, then the evening, evening, I'd be back in the gym or the barn this week at the farm. We used to call it. So my friend had a farm. His dad had the farm. There was a lockup in one of the big enclosed barns that was full of the strongman equipment. So we'd be up there two or three evenings a week and at weekends. So it's about just fitting that in it was extremely hard work but I had a goal um, and I needed to achieve it it wasn't that I wanted to I needed to achieve it so I just put in the work and if I fa- if at the end of it I'd failed I couldn't look back and go you could have done this you could have done that you maybe could have you know done done this better or not been so lazy on this occasion I didn't want any any regrets so I kind of made that decision that I was going to give it 100% and that's what I did and that's the only reason I I won. It wasn't because I was stronger necessarily than the other guys at the time, although winning it kind of proved I was in a certain way, but um, it was because of the effort I put in. And I've always been really comp- a competitive athlete. So on game day, I kind of, it always switches up a notch for me. You get an extra 10% out of me on game day. <laughs> All right. Well, before we get into part two later in the week, where we're going to talk a lot about the the mental toughness, mental resiliency. I want to lead into that now by going back to 2007 when you won your first strongman competition. And you was telling me before that you, you didn't have the best two weeks leading up to that, did you? No, I got like a flu type, like, like a gastric flu like two weeks out. And before that, I was flying. I was obviously working around my back injury. Um, I was um, putting records on the board, like on log press and deadlift and my stones were going everything was going really well and then suddenly I would start you know throwing up stuff coming out the other end I was in the right state so I, I lost like a stone very quickly over three or four days well we, we know a lot about quite a lot that's water but still I was exhausted couldn't train for that period and I was kind of I can't compete I can't compete like, what am I going to do 
then that little kind of you get the devil on one shoulder and the angel on the other and it was like like it gave me a little slap and said like like shut up get up you're gonna do this and you you, you need to do this like I said before and that's when I kind of thought you know I, I don't want to have let this all go to waste I want to do something that's like not normal above the norm um, and leave like a bit of a legacy and at least have something I can be proud of when I'm older so I kind of pulled my socks up um, turned into an eating machine gradually sort of I didn't train I trained hard but I wasn't killing myself up into because the hard work had been done um, and just changed that mindset from a I, there's no way I can possibly do this because I've gone down to 97 kilos from 105 to you know, I'm going to do this no matter what. Got back up to like 102 kilos for the day of the competition. Still felt weak, but as soon as it started, everything kind of clicked into place. And I was even surprising myself how well I was doing on the events. I was like, what's going on? Um, how important was it for you to stay positive during the actual event rather than go back to the, oh, shit, I've not had the best prep. It's not going to work. Other people are going to be I was sure. quite lucky because the first event went pretty well. I think I came second in the first event. And that kind of like um, lifted me up, lifted my spirits. And from there, it was kind of like, I know everyone talks about, you know, the zone and alpha brainwave states, but I genuinely, a few occasions in my, I've played high level sport from a young kid. And you can kind of, on, on one hand, you can probably count the times you, you went into the zone, you know, properly. And that was one of those occasions I was, I was just in the zone. Um, and I think that, that helped me. It gave me that extra 10 or 20% on the day. Um, and well, I managed to win. And that kind of set everything up for me from there. But it, it was hard work and it was all about positive mindset, really. So there we go. A real insight there from Scott on what it takes to be a winner twice in one of the toughest competitions on the planet. Let me take you straight back then, as I promised, to the motivation and the, and the discipline part of the podcast. I've always been one as a coach to talk about motivation and there's various tools for motivation. If, if for example, you're trying to lose weight, you might be buying clothes that are smaller than what you're actually fitting at the minute to, to motivate you to get into that size of dress or size of trouser. You might be putting pictures up of your old self when you was a bit thinner, maybe when you was a bit younger, you might be putting them around the house. There might be inspirational words on the fridge door and inspirational t-shirts. And yes, they have their place. Yes, they work. But are them things going to get you up every single morning? As Scott said in the podcast, getting up in the morning is tough. Whether you're motivated or not, whether you have a goal or not, getting your bum out of bed in the morning is a tough thing to do. Your body naturally does not want to do it. I, like Scott, train first thing in the morning and I don't get up with a with a buzz for getting up and getting to the gym. It is hard to drag myself out of bed. I'm not making it into some fairy tale where I just float out of bed and find my way to the gym. It doesn't happen. It is a struggle to get out of bed. And Scott is exactly right with the discipline word. It's discipline that gets you out of bed. It's not motivation. Yes, I could have I have my vision board, which is which is great. I look at it a lot. I have certain certain other points of motivation around the house. But when I wake up, when my eyes first open, none of that is there to hand and I need something to get me up. And it's the discipline that I know I need to go to the gym to reach my my goal further down the line. So motivational tools are great, but you've got to have the discipline daily for you to be successful. And if if this is what people like Scott, world champions, are, are using on a daily basis to, to help them reach their goal and hit their targets, 
It's something we all need to be employing every single day for our lifestyle goals, our health goals, our weight goals, our fitness goals. We all need to have that discipline. And with all the Olympians that I've had on the podcast and got coming up, it will be a theme that runs throughout. It's discipline every single day that gets them to where they want to be. It's fantastic to to buy the t-shirt with the inspirational words on. And I'm sure when you buy the t-shirt, the words mean something the very first time you buy it, when, when you when you put it on for the very first time, the words ring true. They, they mean something, they're deep, they're meaningful. But do they still ring true? Are you still getting inspired the 10th or 12th or 20th time you put on that t-shirt? Every time you go out for a run, are you inspired every time you put this t-shirt on? Probably not. Sometimes inspiration isn't there. Sometimes motivation isn't there. But discipline can always be there. So stay disciplined, you'll reach your targets, you'll reach your goals, you'll hit your visions. And if you can do that 90% of the time, because not everyone's perfect every day, I'm sure Scott has days where where he can't get out of bed, and I know I certainly do as well. But 90% of the time, it's that discipline that drags my bum out of bed and gets me to the gym. So from here, head over to iTunes for me, subscribe to the podcast, because you don't want to miss part two with Scott's coming up in a couple of days' time. And we've got some great guests lined up in the next three to four weeks. So so go over, hit subscribe. Don't miss the release of the new podcast. You'll get notified as soon as they come out. And if you do that now, I'll speak to you again in a couple of days. Take care. Have a great week, guys. And I'll speak to you again soon.